This morning, I want to talk a little bit about um, in the midst of whatever our family's dealing with or whatever's going on in the world, how do we respond to that? How do we respond and keep the peace within our family? Um, I was researching peace a little bit, which, so the definition of peace, right, um, is the definition on Google, freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. When I read that, I realized I am not qualified to preach on peace (laughs) because my life is not free from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. It's just not that's not my life. So I have four kids. I have a husband. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert, too. Fun fact about Danielle, I'm an introvert, and I live in a very extroverted life, for sure. Uh, my husband is a sanguine, for those of you that know personalities, which is pretty much he's a walking party all the time, uh, for sure. So that, that there's no peace in that. And then my kids, who are 5, 11, 12 and 14, did I get that right? Yes. Um, they are, they're kids, and there's four of them, and so there's more than us, they outnumber us, and there's just no peace, there's no peace in that, and I'm pretty sure it, you know, to create that kind of peace with them, it, it's, it, it's illegal to lock them in closets and put duct tape on their mouth, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they're thankful for that. So I've, we've had to learn how to create the peace in other ways that are legal in our household. Uh, one of the things that I've realized over the years is toddlers especially, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but toddlers are the scariest beings on earth to me. Uh, they really are. They're these little little things that are so cute that are learning to walk and talk, right? But they have no sensor on where they should go walk and what they should say when they talk. They're just these little cute things that run around. They're, they're old enough to do the walking and talking, but they're young enough to fully be able to really discipline them and to, to understand. So toddlers are, are so scary to me. Um, but so one thing I learned a few years ago with toddlers, we um, talking about responding and when life hits and things you can't control. Uh, Our toddlers, when they were very young, so it was our three kids, um, I think they were like one, two and a half, and four. I don't know, something like that. Um, I was in my house, and it got very quiet. And those of you moms know that it is something is happening when it's quiet. Something's happening. So I left what I was doing, and I went downstairs, and I go into the room, and I find my three scary little toddlers had gotten into the chocolate syrup. Yes. And in that moment, there was no peace inside. There was, Jesus had left the building. There was none of that left in there. And I, I wanted to respond with so many things other than love in that moment, so I did the right thing, and I called my husband. And I said, "Hon, the kids got in the chocolate syrup and I I think I'm going to hurt them. And I think I'm going to scream really loud, and I'm trying really hard to be Jesus, and I need to know what to do. And he said, hon, get the camera. (laughs) And we have the result of that this morning. It is August 18th, 2006. At the new house... And earlier today, they jumped 
chocolate cereal everywhere. They took all the stuffing out of couch cushions. And then I came in here and they got the chocolate syrup. Get in here, Joey. They got the chocolate syrup from the refrigerator. And you could see all of these little handprints, tiny little handprints, chocolate syrup. Then they took the box of pictures and pulled all the pictures out. is eating the chocolate syrup. <laughs> oh, it's such a true story. I still haven't truly forgiven them, especially when I look through my pictures and there's still chocolate syrup stains on the pictures. True story. <laughs> So, what do we do when the chocolate syrup hits? <laughs> what do we do when the toddlers, these little tiny beings, do things that we can't control? What happens, what do we do, how do we respond when things in life hit us like chocolate syrup on our walls and in our carpet and furniture and everywhere else, in diapers? What do we do? So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, I've realized over life that it's not the circumstances that we go through because we can't control that, but it's how we react. It's how we respond to them because we can't control that. We can't control the weather. We can't control all those things, but we can control two things, our actions and our attitude. We can control those things at all times. I've realized that we can make the small things smaller or the small things bigger and the bigger things smaller just by how we react. And that's difficult, I understand, like in the culture that we live in today, we don't necessarily live in a peaceful culture. We're actually learned to deal with things dramatically, right? The, the reality shows all that stuff out there. The, it, it's filled with drama, domestic disputes on cops. It's filmed, people like watching that. We learn the wrong way how to handle things. And that was my life in a nutshell. I, I joke around when Adam and I are telling our story, we always, if, it's hard to explain what we used to be like, so I say, Adam and I's relationship was like the domestic disputes on cops, if any of you have watched that. It's the best way to explain it. It's not that funny, but it's very funny now. To me, you don't have to laugh, but it's funny to me. Because that's what our, our life was. So instead of what I had to learn is I can't make my life tranquil and the definition of what the Webster, what Webster says peace should be. But what I can learn is what does God say about peace? How do we respond with the peace that God's given us? And this is what he says, the meaning of peace. A personality free from internal and external strife. The biblical concept of peace actually goes deeper and rests on the Hebrew root, which means to be complete or to be sound. Does that sound nice? Everyone say to be sound. You could do this thing with your hands too, to be sound. It just sounds so nice. Thank you. I see some people doing this. Very good. That's the, the peace that God gives us. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ah, that's peace. 
So what does that look like? I, I have a fun little board here, and I'm going to kind of show you guys. So in our life, right, we have stuff that happens to us, and I'm a really great, I'm a really good artist all the time. So this is what happens in our life, right? So we've got, uh, we were born, so let's, this is a, this is, <laughs> that's a baby. <laughs> that's not a baby. That's a baby. Okay, so we were born, right? And life hits. This is life, right? Sometimes it's nice. This is good life. Sometimes it gets crazy. Sometimes chocolate syrup happens. <laughs> then it gets crazy again, and then the holidays come, and then we have nice time, and then life hits, right? Life, that's kind of our life, completely out of our control most of the time. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we cause this. Sometimes it's not all out of our control. Sometimes our own stupidity gets us here, right? But this is, this is, this is our life. And our responses and emotions, what usually happens, our responses and emotions will a lot of times follow this, correct? Like a lot of times you'll, you'll do this. And what, what I'm talking about today is how do we respond by our emotions not following, we don't want our emotions to follow our life circumstances. We want our emotions to follow where God is. Right? Because God is steady. God is faithful. Yeah? Everyone can shake their head on that one. No matter how much up and down our life is, God is steady and faithful and through it. So this is where our emotions need to be, is following God. It's important for us to create that emotional stability. Emotional stability breeds continuity. That's something I told myself a long time ago. If I can get my emotions right, which is almost impossible when you're a female to get your emotions correct, right? Only Jesus can control a woman's emotions. So men, if your wife is a little crazy, get her to church. Get around Jesus, because only God, only God can match our emotions to this line right here. So that's, that's kind of what we're going to dive into today. God is steady. Life is up and down. The peace from God goes deeper than our emotions, okay? And this, we can compare it to, we can compare all this. I need more colors. We can compare all this to, uh, like, storms, right? Because we learn a lot about that in the Bible. We learn about storms and stuff. So let's say we are the ship. Here comes my awesome handwriting. We're the ship. Isn't that so cute? In the storm. I should have put it down there. But we're the ship going around the storm in the waves with all the stuff that's happening. So how do we control our ship? A few years ago... One of the things that I, I learned to, to catch that emotional stability, uh, a few years ago, I was actually diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, along with that, I struggled with anxiety and depression. And before resorting to medication, my mentor said, let's, let's try to work on some things and try to figure out why this is happening to you before you go to medication. So what we did was we actually uh, made a timeline of my life, starting from birth, and we went through all the past hurts and all the things that happened to me to try to figure out when did this PTSD happen? When, did I, when was I so, when, when did the trauma happen? Because my life as an adult had been pretty good. There's no, no craziness, you know, uh, pre-Jesus was crazy. 
BC <laughs> after Jesus was, was great. So we had to go back and try to figure out when was the craziness in there. And something, when I went through that timeline, like I said earlier, there were things that I realized that were out of my control that happened to me. One of the things that I found out was when I was actually in my mother's womb, uh, my mom was going through a hard time and she didn't eat. And so even as a, 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 still in my mother's womb, I wasn't eating correctly. And my mentor and I discovered this. She actually just, through prayer, felt like the Lord told her that. And through some more testing and stuff at the doctors, I took a bunch of tests and found out I had low blood sugar and all these things, which resulted in what happens to people in starvation. And my doctors confirmed what God had already told my mentor and I that that's when it happened for me. Now, obviously, in my mother's womb, I can't control what happened at that moment. But the result of what happened with things that were out of my control, the results of those things were happening later in my life. And I had a choice on how I would respond to that later, not in the beginning. One of my favorite things now is, is taking young adult girls through their timeline, and I say, okay, let's start at the beginning. Let's start when you were born. Remember, this is a baby. <laughs> um, let's start at the beginning when you were born. And let, let's talk about some of the things that you've gone through. And I do this not to bring up the stuff, but gosh, it's, it's one of the most beautiful experiences to sit with these girls in the midst of the abuse and the suicidal thoughts, and the depression, and the loneliness, to sit through all of that with them. And then you know what we do? We do this beautiful thing, and we say, but where was God through it all? And we go back through that timeline, and we watch how God was so steady. It's one of the most beautiful amazing moments to see how much God loves us and how faithful he is. In the midst of, of the crying and the tears, we find God in the midst of it. One thing always remains constant, and that's God. His plans, everything, is always steady. And Nicole prayed about that. So we have to control our reaction and responses. And our responses Here's our ship, remember? It's actually a little boat on here, but pretend it's a ship. Our responses steer the ship through all this. Okay? So um, in Luke 8, 25, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And he looked at them and said, where is your faith? Love that line. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. It's my favorite thing. I've, I picture if it was Jesus now, Jesus standing up and going, dude, chill. I got this. Where's your faith? 
That's how I picture Jesus today. I don't want any hate emails because I still love Jesus, but that's how I picture him talking to me. He's like, dude, chill, okay? So the goal is not to allow our emotions to follow the circumstances. Our emotions should follow God because in the midst of it, he's saying, dude, chill. I'm calming the storm. Whether you can see it or not, no matter how scary it is, I'm calming the storm. Chill, I got this. Some of us are so used to the chaos that when life is smooth, we start doing this ourselves because we're so used to just the chaos and the drama. I used to do that. It's like, oh, something must be wrong because I'm a little too steady right now. Something's wrong. Something's happening. No. But that's, that's how a lot, of, I'm from New York City. I'm from New York. My family's from New York. I promise you this is not normal. And we create this if this is happening because this is boring. Let's talk about someone. Let's figure something out. Let's go on the street and make something happen. This is not normal, okay? So this took a lot of Jesus to state, but anyway. So, yeah, that's not normal. But uh, that is normal. But a lot of us, we create that. Is that making sense? I'm sorry, I'm going off a little bit. So we, we, we like the drama. And, and that's what the reality shows. They create drama because it's entertaining. But chaos isn't normal. The Kardashian life is not cool. People watch the Kardashians to make fun of them, <laughs> right? I, I'm sorry, I take that back, <laughs> kind of. But it's not cool. So we should save all that drama for entertainment, for the reality shows and movies, because our lives, us, play to an audience of one. And I promise you that one that's watching us would rather see the peace and the steadiness than the entertainment of the drama. I promise you. Maturity is something that I had to learn along the way that we all have to learn. Maturity is being okay with not getting our way. That's maturity. We've talked about that a little bit these past few weeks. My, uh, my, I babied my youngest, my five-year-old Maria. I babied her so badly, <laughs> and I could admit that and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because she's cute and she's my youngest and I, and I like kissing and putting Band-Aids on fake boo-boos. I do, because I'm not gonna be able to do it that much longer. And you know what? This morning, Adam brought the kids to church and, and they walked in and she had her Christmas dress on. And here's why she had it on, because we put the Christmas tree up on Friday and so she thinks that every day is Christmas now. Every day is Christmas. So she has been wearing that Christmas dress since Friday. Don't judge me, but don't get too close to her because she probably smells like cereal and candy and whatever has fallen on her the past few days. But I imagine the morning at home when Adam was saying, honey, you need to get dressed, I can imagine a little bit of stomping saying, I want to wear my Christmas dress. So she wore her Christmas dress today. And, I, and I'm okay with all that, but here's the problem. If she's 35 years old, kicking and screaming in the store with me, 35 kicking and screaming when she wants candy, then we have a little bit of a problem. Just a tiny bit. So when things don't go our way, we still have to respond with trusting God because he's working whether we like it or not. And we have to trust him that God builds character even in the tough moments. He's always doing something. Earlier this year, uh, my daughter, Angelina, uh, was in an argument with one of her friends because they're young and there's a lot of drama in the class, yes, 
honey, I can say this. And uh, she was in an argument with her friends, and her, she came to me, and she's like, Mommy, she's saying mean things to me. This girl, she's, she's calling me names. She, she's doing all this stuff, and she's like, what do I do? And I said, well, respond back to her and say, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm sorry that you're saying, like, how do we respond? And, then she, and so she texted her, and she said, okay, I, I texted her back, and I told her that. And she comes back, and she's like, now there's other people in the conversation, And now they're telling me things like I'm not really a Christian. And they're making fun of me. And my emotions in that moment wanted to spiritually kick the other little girl in the butt. (laughs) My emotions and my flesh. Because I remember what it was like getting made fun of. And that took me years to get over. So seeing my daughter go through that was so hard. But I went to her, and instead of getting involved and going to her mom and and all that stuff, I said, honey, you message her, and you tell her, I love you, God loves you, I don't believe the things you're saying, and I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And she did. And she left it at that, and that was hard. But here's the thing. She needed to go through that because I believe that that built a little bit of character in her. And I would never let it go too far. I would always stop it. And that's what God does with us. He will never let it go too far. When we choose to start a relationship with Jesus, we can't go too far off track because he protects his kids, just like I protect mine. There's a reason for it. So regardless of your circumstances and how you feel, respond to knowing that God's character is unchanging and steady and faithful. Not your emotions. Never respond to your emotions. Never make a decision based on your emotions. Ever. And if for some reason you can't get a hold of your emotions, don't move. Don't move. Cast the anchor. I can't really draw an anchor. That's, (laughs) I don't know what that is. That's an anchor. Does that look like an anchor? It does. I'm so good. No. Okay. If you can't control your emotions, cast the anchor. Pause. Don't move. Don't make a decision. Don't react. Don't respond. Pause. (laughs) Cast the anchor on your ship. Hebrews 16, 18 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Forerunner was a small boat that navigated its way through the dark waters connecting the rope from the mothership to the shore so the ship could dock without getting damaged. That's what a forerunner was. Jesus is our forerunner. He navigates the water ahead of us, okay? So Jesus, God, has gone ahead of us. Before these things happen, he's already navigated the water. He is with us. He's through all things. And hope is the anchor that keeps us from being shipwrecked in our storms. If we cast our hope, which is our hope, so we have to choose, we control how we choose to react, so we have to choose to hope. 
in the moment. That doesn't just happen. We have to choose to cast the anchor to hope in the moment. Respond to the storm by casting it. And then we can, be, we can trust that God will be faithful to get us through. Casting your anchor is choosing to respond by putting your trust in God. You have to throw the anchor first. And Romans 15, 13 says that you will be filled with peace because you trusted in God. You will be filled with peace because you trusted in God. It does not say that the peace comes before trusting. The peace comes after trusting. Which means when things get out of control and you're searching for peace in the midst of the storm, the only way to find it is to throw your anchor and wait for God. And if your flesh is tapping out, if you just can't do it anymore, you have to muster up whatever you can to throw the anchor and trust that God's going to take care of things. And our families need to see us do this. This is so important. How whatever was happening in Joe and Jennifer's life, it was great that they were able to get through it together, but you know what was more important? Their children watching them, how they handled everything. I hear parents say all the time, I just want to know that my children are happy and they're following the Lord, right? If you're a parent, you just want your kids to be happy and you want to know that they're following the Lord. And we say that because we know if our kids trust God, and go to him, then everything will eventually work out. We know that, right? I say that all the time. If my kids just love the Lord, then everything will work out. We know that, we preach that, but it's so hard in the midst of it. But that's what we want to know. So ask yourself, who is your family watching you put your trust in? When this stuff starts happening, where are you throwing your anchor? In God? Because I grew up, like I said, in an environment that you drank when you were frustrated and stressed out. That you did drugs when you were tired to stay awake. And doing something to pay the bills wasn't just illegal. You did a good job if you, it was a good idea. That's how I grew up. That's where I casted the anchor. It was normal to threaten divorce or leave in an argument. I've had my bags packed Every time Adam and I were in an argument because I thought, I don't want to deal with this. My life isn't going to turn out okay. We're going to break up. That's how my mindset was. And thankfully, our kids were still young when I was responding in that way. So I know, Adam and I know what it's like to respond with Jesus and without Jesus. And I promise you, you'll never regret trusting him, but you will regret it if you don't. You will. So do you see, your kids see you pour a glass of wine when you're stressed out? Or do they see you go to the Bible when you're stressed? There's some people that have self-image issues, and instead of going to Word to find out how much God loves them and how beautiful they are and how they were created in his image, instead they post, a, a post, they post something on Facebook and they get their draw, their self-image boost from the number of likes and comments that they get. It's like a drug shot of something to make them feel good in the moment. That's not how we're supposed to respond. When you go to the world for solutions, you're taking away the ability for God to show off what he's capable of. Let him show off. Trusting God in the midst of our trials and storms shows where our loyalty and commitment lies and shows him and everyone around us that we can count on him and not the world. So don't chase ever 
Don't chase the answer to your problem. Chase God, and he'll give you the answers. Don't go crazy trying to figure out what to do. Cast your anchor, search for God, and he'll tell you what to do. And I understand that the world's responses sometimes are quicker and easier. I get it. Sometimes it's way easier to do the quick fix. The world's responses are quick, but I promise you eternity is much longer. Eternity is longer. And eventually everything in the world will be taken from us and all we'll have is where we spend eternity from the results of our responses. There's a story of Viktor Frankl's book, uh, Man's Search for Meeting. And Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist who was taken to one of the death camps in Nazi Germany. And all of his family and friends were gassed and murdered. And he talks in his book about one day when he stood in front of the Gestapo, stark naked. They'd taken away his clothes, even his wedding ring. And he stood there with nothing at all. And when he suddenly realized there was... He realized that. He's standing there with nothing. And as he's standing there with nothing, he realized there was one thing that the Nazis could not take away from him in that moment. And that was his choice and how he would respond to them. You have to realize that this line of our life seems very long, but it's a tiny, 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 little dot compared to eternity. Our life may seem long, but it's so small compared to eternity. But what we do on this tiny little dot affects our entire eternity. So don't, we have to respond to life. We must respond to life with an eternal perspective. Don't let one decision you make about something that's happening today affect your entire eternity or your families. And really, that's the strategy of the enemy, honestly, is to keep you shuffling along, eyes to the ground, absorbed in so many other things, with the things that are right in front of you. That's what the enemy wants. And we shouldn't get absorbed with what's in front of us. If everyone could do this thing, this is something I learned years ago, put your hand in front of your face. Go ahead, do this. Everyone put your hand up and look at your hand. Look at the palm of your hand. And you see your hand, right? But if you cross your eyes a little bit, or you don't even have to cross your eyes, if you look at your fingers and see the space, you can see past your hand and everything beyond it. Don't focus on what's in front of you. Look past everything else behind it. And we have to remember that, and I know we don't like talking about this sometimes in church, but we have to remember that the devil is just as real as God is. And in the Gospels, Jesus actually talks about hell more than he talks about heaven. And he did this to plant a foundation in fear in us because he realizes that eternity is so much longer where we spend it. And Luke 12, 3 says, What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, fear him. I know, it's scary. God still loves you if you're scared right now. There's a heaven too. The only time you should ever make a decision 
This is the only time I'll tell you to make a decision based on fear. The only time you should make a decision or respond based on fear is when it's holy fear. Whoever you fear, you'll serve. And as we fear God, we'll obey him under pressure. So every decision, word, motive, attitudes, works, all of that will manifest in judgment. Everything we do on this tiny little dot will manifest, manifest at the end. So knowing this, having this holy fear and knowing who God is, what he's capable of, and what our eternity could look like will help you respond to life with your family's eternity in mind. Have an eternal perspective. Think more than what's just in front of you. Heaven, we sang about it our last song. Heaven, not earth, is your home. Heaven is where you'll go. That is your home, not earth. And I think when we understand that, when we fully grasp heaven touching earth, that we, heaven is our home, your responses to all this, when you get that heaven is our home, not earth, your responses will transcend time, will take you way further than what's happening in the moment when you get that. And your families. So you have to stay focused on the purpose, not the problem. The purpose is to get your family into eternity in heaven, right? With God. We want to be. So we have to stay focused on the purpose, not the problem, not all the crazy stuff that's happening along the way. And sometimes your family's peace, keeping the peace, will come with a price. It comes with a price. It's no longer about our agendas, and we have to respond with a sacrifice to keep the peace. Sometimes we have to respond with a sacrifice, which is really what Jesus did, right? Jesus died on the cross, all, even though he didn't deserve to die. He went through all that pain for our benefit so we could be saved and go to heaven, right? And there's many different causes for your problems, like I said, for the pains and sufferings and all the stuff that happens. Sometimes we bring it, things happen like that happened to me, and sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Sometimes if we're broke, it's not Satan's fault, it's Starbucks' fault. <laughs> you know? Some of you guys are going to get that. <laughs> My husband's like, honey, I've been telling you that for years. <laughs> if you're broke, it could be Starbucks' fault. Putting your trust in the coffee. <laughs> That's what it could be. There's many different reasons why we go through all that, and you, you can't blame God for your bad choices. In some problems, you're innocent, and you may have been hurt by pain and stupidity of other people. Maybe someone in your life has gotten sick that's out of your control. But who can better help someone struggling with an addiction than someone who's had an addiction, right? Sometimes what you're going through isn't for you. You have to look past what's in front of you and look beyond that. We have to respond with sacrifice sometimes. Because a parent of a, a special needs child can relate a lot better to a parent that has a special needs child. If you've lost a child, there is someone that needs your story. Sometimes it's just easier to talk to someone that's already been through it. And, and that's why we go through things sometimes. So I want um, Missy Stritzinger to come up here.
Missy. Everyone give Missy a round of applause. My own time. Come here, friend. So a lot of you guys uh, know Missy Stritzinger and her family. You have two kids. What are their names? Uh, Dylan and Sarah. Here, you got to hold this puppy up. <laughs> Dylan and Sarah. Dylan and Sarah. And, and you guys may have saw Missy on stage here last week. Dylan was baptized. Isn't that awesome? And Missy stood on stage and watched him. I just love them so much. How long have you been coming to church here for, Missy? Um, about four years. Four years? Five years, something like that. Okay. And how long have you been a follower of Jesus? Well, I was a follower when I was younger as a child. And then, like most many people, I, as a teenager, decided to walk away from Christ. Okay. Um, and about six or seven years ago, I rededicated my life to Christ. Um, Hold that up and talk a little louder. Um, it was a difficult choice a little bit because at the time um, my husband was not following Christ and my son was actually the one who got me back. What did you say? My son. Your son. Dylan was actually part of that, breaking me back. Um, but it was, it was a good thing. It was an amazing thing that our children can do that. Yeah. So you were away from the Lord, and then your, your husband, you and your husband were going through a hard time. Yeah. And that kind of brought you guys back around. And then why don't, why don't, you, um, why don't you tell us what's happened since then? Um, which, about how we... About Chad. Um, about two years into me re rededicating my life, um, Things were getting worse and worse. Um, I didn't quite understand why, um, but Chad was going through some really rough time. Um, at one point, he even got a little uh, physically abusive or verbally abusive, not so much the physical. Um, and when that wasn't going well, he started to cut himself again. And then... About two years, we discovered that he had a mental disability. Um, and he was diagnosed with bipolar. Um, and that caused a lot more problems because he didn't want to take his medicine. And he didn't want to deal with it. He just wanted it to go away. And it wasn't going away. It doesn't go away. Um, and I had just gotten to the point I couldn't take it anymore. I was done. I didn't have any feelings left at all. I was, I don't know, it was like looking at a stranger. I didn't know him, and I didn't want to know him. So I had left, um, and I was filing for divorce, and they make you wait three months before you can actually file once you do the first paperwork. And um, three months on that day, um, I had started to date somebody and I decided I didn't need that either. And I had just called Chad up to apologize for being angry at him for what I was doing. And there was nothing there. I just was calling to apologize. And he, he got really excited for some reason. He thought that it meant I wanted him back. So I was like, well, we can meet and talk, but this is just for you to... 
I guess, have closure to move on. And I had asked my friend to watch my kids for like an hour or two just so we could um, get over this and move on. And we actually sat in the car for five hours and just talked about God, talked about how he had turned his life around, how he had realized everything that had happened to him. And he had, I didn't realize this, but he had turned his life over to Christ about a month after I left. And he started coming here. And he just met some wonderful people here, and they were really starting to help him work through stuff. And it was, I don't know how to explain it, because I went to this meeting to meet a complete stranger, and I had no feelings whatsoever. And by the time we were done, I was completely and madly in love with this man. So you guys, you, you broke up. Yep. Had to wait three months, but in that three months, Chad starts coming to church here, starts changing his life around. Things happen in her life. They get back together, yep. and they're both coming here to church, mm-hmm. following the Lord. Their kids are coming here, starting to serve. You guys might see Missy in, in the nursery. Things are good. And then about nine months into that? Um, no, actually, it was two years into us coming here, maybe three years. Okay, so two years coming Two to three years coming here, um, Chad was diagnosed with stomach cancer. Um, we didn't, he was, he could barely eat, he, like little tiny bites and he'd throw up and he'd get sick. Um, and we didn't know what was going on and we went to a couple of different hospitals and they just said it was acid reflux. Just take um, like Tums or whatever and it'll go away. Um, finally, one doctor decides to run some tests and they found out that his white blood cell count was elevated. And so they admitted him from there. And then they found out that he had stage four stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. And in that time, how long, um, how long did, he, did he live for? Um, Chad survived for about from September till April. So... Like. September to April, and, and we actually knew they were helping us with the child care for Erie Young Adults. They were serving by watching um, single moms' kids and stuff on Tuesday nights while Chad was sick. While he was sick. And I remember, I remember watching you during that time, and as my life was going up and down and crazy, I remember watching and thinking, if they can respond well, I can respond well. And so it was a crazy time because he would seem to be getting better and, and then not. And then uh, eventually, how long ago did everything stop? It will be two years this April, coming April, since Chad has passed. So two years ago, this April. This coming April, yep. Chad went to heaven. And he went to heaven because on a low time in his life, he chose to respond by casting his anchor in God coming here. So the hope that you and your family have because of that. Yep. And here's the thing. If you guys didn't go through all that stuff and almost break up and everything, right? Yep. If all that didn't happen. We wouldn't be here. We would, she wouldn't be here. And he wouldn't be in heaven. Because, right. He wouldn't be in heaven. Not only that, but Missy and those two kids would not be in church right now. 
Imagine how messy their life would have been. Chad passes away. But instead, she was here last week baptizing her son. In the midst of it all, they chose God. Whether he was here or taken to heaven, you guys chose God. Yep. And there was actually a point after Chad passed where I, I couldn't keep going. I couldn't do it. It was too hard. And I just asked him to take me. But I decided to just rely on God and just give it all to him. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that we can get through is to just give it up and just let him take it. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, Missy. So you see, the stuff that we're going through has nothing to do with us. You better believe that when my husband got sick this past year, I thought about Missy all the time. And that's why I wanted to talk to her today, is because on the outside, I knew her husband had passed away, but I saw her continuing to come to church, continuing to smile, her kids still involved. And I thought, when I was struggling, I thought, How is she doing that? And so that's why I wanted to talk to her today. Because your story helped me, Missy. And I'm sure it helped other people. That's the thing. There are people sitting next to you right now, if you look around you, that need to know your story. Because nothing you've gone through in life, not one tiny thing is going to be wasted. God uses every single thing for good. So when you're going through life's and downs, hold on to what's true. Remind yourself that God is good. He loves you. He's with you. He knows what you're going through. He does, and he cares, and he has an awesome plan for your life. You are in this room for a reason, not on accident. You are sitting by who you're sitting next to for a reason, not on accident. And our mission here is we exist to be community by revealing Jesus We reveal Jesus by finding God in the mess. We find our purpose in the midst of all this. Why are we going through all this? And sometimes you may need to help the people around you find their purpose, go through timelines with people of their life. And we also exist by serving people. That is our mission here. There is a reason why God has placed you in this church to live out this mission. And so my challenge to you this week is live out the mission. Find people around you, share your story, and be these things for each other in this community. Respond well, because people are watching. So let us pray. God, we are, we love you, and we are so thankful for everything that you've done in our life, the good and the bad, and that you've stayed constant. God, we are so thankful for, uh, for being able to focus on heaven And we're so thankful for your peace, that little bit of heaven that touches earth every time we decide to respond well. God, I, I, I ask that for everyone sitting in this room this week, that you touch each of them, God, that your presence stays with them even when they walk out of this building. And then as they go through this week, that they are seeing you in the midst of their mess. They are finding your miracles. And you are giving them the courage to cast their anchor and respond well. 
Thank you in advance for what you're doing in our lives and the testimonies that's going to come out of your plan, God. We love you. Amen.